When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. My special guest this time is Michael Hyatt, back for a specific talk about goals and having your best year ever. So welcome back, Michael. Thanks, Eric. Great to be with you. It is that time of year between, as of this recording at least, where it's between you know Christmas and New Year's and people are making all these resolutions and, and you're coming out with this course, Best Year Ever, talking about goal-making. So why are goals more important than, say, New Year's resolutions at this point in time? And why, why are you launching this now to counteract the whole 98% of New Year's resolutions never happen? Yeah, well, I think it was just that realization that most people have these great intentions. They realize that next year is pretty much a, a blank canvas, and there's all kinds of possibility, all kinds of uh, potential that's bound up in it. And yet when most people make New Year's resolutions, they're, they're not following any kind of system. They're just basically articulating um, an aspiration or, an, or maybe a dream. But because they don't go all the way to create a goal, it doesn't really serve them. And most of them, as you pointed out, are abandoned in short order, and then people get on with their lives. But it doesn't have to be that way, and that's the thing that excites me about this course. So – so let's give a disclaimer here. Before you even approached me about, hey, do you want to talk about this? I actually was sold. I knew from seeing the pre, you know, the promo videos of you talking about this. Even though I co-wrote a book about goals earlier this year, that's an ebook on Amazon. I still wanted to dig, do a deeper dive from this course, and it delivers. I've gone through the five days, and wow, I'm going to go through it again. What is you know this this season here this in between christmas and new years is it a strategic time and a place to look back look forward and set goals and are there other times in the year that you would you know prescribe that be the a method to to use great question yeah this is uh that space that i don't know if you're familiar with the writer richard rohr but he talks about something called liminal space and it's like the threshold on a door where you're not you know, you're between this room and that. You're in between two things. And that's kind of this week between Christmas and New Year's where it's a liminal space. You know, the, the old year is not quite over. The new year hasn't quite begun. It's all full of possibility. And I feel like with this course, you know, this is an opportunity to kind of catch a, a cultural wave when people are naturally thinking about uh, new beginnings and how they can make this next year something extraordinary and give it a little purpose and a little structure and a little direction so that people really have, give themselves an honest opportunity to accomplish what matters most to them in 2014. And you ask is, are there other times of the year that are, that are good? Yeah, I think most of us kind of recalibrate probably the middle of the year. But uh, this year, by far and away, is the time when it's really on, on our minds. 
And it's really about that transition time from like one year to another, you know, be you being somebody that used to be in the the trenches of the publishing world. It's kind of that closing of the last chapter and the starting of a new one, or or it's even the closing yeah. of the previous book in a series and you're ready to sit down and start the new Harry Potter, so to speak. Yeah, and it's kind of a time also, Eric, where it's quiet. You know, there's yeah. not a lot of interruptions. Everything seems to have uh, slowed down a little bit. Of course, unless you're in retail and you're <laughs> processing all kinds of returns and stuff or gift cards. But but for everybody else, it's pretty a, a slow time. I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of businesses this week or just shut down during this week. And uh, we, we're kind of working this week. We've been working on the launch of this course. But, you know, I gave my assistant time off. And, you know, it's just a time when you can spend with family or spend on personal development, maybe read a few books. But again, most importantly, I think, is really set yourself up for an extraordinary year. Not just, not just to accomplish your goals, but really to create, and this is the promise of the course, your best year ever. Why not? Yeah, definitely why not. I, I think the why not is kind of that perspective shift that, that it really takes for you to realize, you mean I don't just have to make resolutions that slow that I you know start strong and and even if I if I do start any at all and then I fizzle on and I start to fade out by January or February if you're lucky but that there's this marathon type of a of a perspective that you can have on the year you know yeah you really can I mean it's it's like I'm going to be training for uh, the country music half marathon in Nashville Tennessee which is on April the 27th well part of what I've done in the process it's actually one of my goals for this year is to lay out a training plan so that I'm, I've thought through it, you know, how much do I need to run by the end of this week? How much by the end of the next week? And just, you know, kind of map it out because, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of time between now and April the 27th. A lot of time for me to get off track. A lot of time for me to get lazy. A lot of things can happen. But at the beginning of this time, to lay out a training uh, kind of regimen for myself and figure out how I'm going to get, you know, step by step from here to that big race on the 27th. Great. That's an excellent goal. I so that that's one of those things though, is just like, you know, you're setting you you with that has a, a certain deadline on it and it's and it's a certain distance <laughs> literally too out yep. from where we are right now in time and space, and then you're done. And so is there another maybe health goal? Is that well let me ask you this. Is that a health goal for you or is it a, a test of your endurance? Is it you know, how what kind of perspective do you have on that? And do you have something else that maybe will take its place after you've com- completed that? Yeah, that's a that's a funny question because really it, it is a health goal for sure, but it's actually more than that. It's really a character goal. Uh, I remember one time, and I can't remember who wrote about this, but he was running the Boston Marathon and he was running it with his daughter. And when they got to about, I don't know, it was, you know, like mile 21 or 22 where it really gets tough in a full marathon. And his daughter said to him, dad, remind me again, why are we running this marathon? And he said, well, because we're practicing, not quitting. Yes. And I thought, that's a great perspective for running. So there is a sense in which it's character development too. But, but I find that usually in most, especially qualitative goals, like you're trying to improve your marriage or improve your health or something like that that you need something that's more specific that acts as a kind of a, a push goal or a focal point or something that's indicative of the larger goal that you're trying to, to accomplish. You know, it just turns out that a half marathon is one way to measure uh, fitness. And I know that a lot of things it will, uh, will have to come into account. I'll have to watch my diet. You know, I'll have to make sure I'm getting incremental exercise every week. And it just gives me something to, to press toward. 
Now, is there going to be another goal after that? Yeah, probably, but I haven't set that yet. So at the beginning of the year, I really believe you shouldn't have too many goals. I think five to seven is the sweet spot. Ten is kind of the outside in my experience. If you get more than that, you really start diluting your resources and your ability to focus and give it the attention you need to follow through and actually uh, succeed. So I'm not too worried about the goal after that. My guess is I'll probably run another half marathon in the fall. And you'll be able to make a better choice on what that next goal is, having accomplished the first one, and you've got that momentum and that satisfaction of and, and pride in yourself in a good way that, hey, look, I did it. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I've, I've run the half marathon actually several times, so I get a little bit smarter each time and a little bit uh, more intentional with my training. But I think it's true for a lot of goals. You know, we start out, uh, if we've never done that particular goal before, and we don't have a clue. We don't really know. We're just taking a guess. But that's fine. This doesn't have to be science. Nobody's going to write you up if you miss your goal. And there are a lot of goals. In fact, I had nine goals for this last year, and I actually only accomplished five. So four of them I missed. But I came pretty close on a couple of them. And some of them, if I hadn't had the, the goal, I wouldn't have gotten you know, off the, the starting block. So they're helpful even if you don't accomplish it because sometimes at the beginning you can't see clearly. You're not sure exactly what you can do or you can't do. So you're just taking a guess. You're, you're doing something that will give you direction and something that will be compelling. And this is hugely important in goals, something that you find personally compelling that if you could accomplish would represent something significant for you. Man, a lot of people are going to listen to that and say, man, what's wrong with you? How did you only get five of the nine? Or maybe that's your inner voice. Yeah, no, you know, um, I'm okay with that because I accomplished some extraordinary things this last year, and I'm really, really, really pleased with the way that the year turned out. But I attempted some big things, and again, I, I don't see missing those four as failure. And this isn't original with me. I don't even know where I, I got it. It may have been Tony Robbins, maybe a John Maxwell. But, but ultimately, there's no failure. For me, there's only feedback. There's only learning. There's only improving. So even if I miss those goals, I learn so much, and I'll be smarter on the next outing. You know, a good example of that, like, you know, the first time I ran the half marathon, I think my goal was two hours and 20 minutes. And I came in at two hours and 34 minutes. Well, did I fail? No, I had a goal for 220. I missed it by, you know, 14 minutes, but that's okay. You know, I, I ran the race and I completed the race and I felt like it was a resounding success. Yeah. Well, let me ask you that. What's your perspective on failure then? Because a lot of people talk about this word failure and some will say, there's no such thing as failure or others say, oh, whatever. It was just a failure. Is The only failure is not trying again. Where do you kind of land on that? Yeah, I kind of land on that side of it. I've been heavily influenced by John Maxwell's work on this. You know, the idea of failing forward, you know, get... Get your failures out of the way. If you learn from them, as long as you don't quit, they're very, they can be very productive. If you can learn something uh, from it. So that's how I approach it. You know, when I set a goal, um, I guess it was about a year and a half ago now, two years ago now, when I set a goal for 2012 that I wanted my book platform to hit the New York Times list, um, it felt really scary. It felt audacious when I typed that goal into Evernote. And I thought, oh my gosh, I kind of looked around the room like, Am I allowed to do that? What if I miss? But you know what? What if I did miss? You know what would happen? Nothing. Nobody writes me up. Nobody penalizes me. I'm not fined. I just missed the goal. But I probably got a lot closer to it by having the goal than if I hadn't had the goal and just uh, thought that maybe somehow accidentally I would drift towards that destination. That usually doesn't happen. 
Yeah, I think that's the thing for me that's most changed in my life with, you know, reading your blog and many others is just coming to that point of not accepting the passive mindset that I had before when it came to things in life that I wanted is if you don't make goals, nothing happens, you know? So, you know, you said you had nine goals for this year and you, you met five of them. Well, then you met five more than the zero you could have had by just sitting back and wishing for things, you know? But that's exactly right. And I promise you among those five were things that I would have never taken on if I hadn't had a goal. They're just not things that, you know, in all the urgent urgency and busyness of life, the important stuff gets crowded out. And the great thing about setting goals is that it gives you an opportunity to ask and answer for yourself what's important, not what's urgent, not what my boss is screaming for me to get done, or maybe even my family members, what they find urgent. But what do I find is congruent with my values and is really important? And that if I could lay out a plan, I could really move towards that instead of always being you know, pushed around by the, the urgency of the moment. You know, that, that's why people end up out of health in bad marriages, with their career going nowhere, because they're just giving their time to the urgent and not the important. Oh, that's oh, such, such a good, good point, point to just uh, – that's the thing for me is just that – and actually that's one of the things I'm working on is just deciding, you know what? I'm going to stop being urgent about everything and start being specific about you know where my priorities lie. And if it doesn't fall into that rubric, then it's not going to make it on my radar. It's hard, though, isn't it? Because really, the culture doesn't look out for us. You know, a lot of times the people that are closest to us, they have their own needs and uh, that drives a lot of their behavior. And so they're not always looking out uh, for our best either, though they probably think they are. But everybody is, you know, looking out for their own best interests. And unfortunately, I think this is is an appropriate place for self-care. And by that, I mean making uh, sure that we put enough priority on the nurture of our own soul and our own spirit, our own personal growth, so that we can be more resourceful and more readily available to serve uh, other people. And goal setting is one way to do that as well. Yeah. And actually, that really, one of the things that I really love about the course is the fact that right from the beginning, you're talking about why um, uh, personal reflection is such a, a great aspect to to start with in terms of making goals. And, and I honestly, I was looking back and I realized that this year, uh, in order to make good goals for this next year of 2014, I was looking back at 2013 for myself, and I realized, wow, I've gone to, or will have gone to by the time this year is over, three different funerals. And wow. right now in, in December, December 15th was actually the 10-year anniversary of my father passing away. Mm. And that stuff was you know, in my headspace and I didn't even realize it. And I, and I, it started to, uh, you know, subconsciously start to affect, you know, where I was going and what I was doing and what I was thinking about in terms of this, this past year. And what's ultimately great is, um, I just had the uh, 50th episode, super episode on tools. And although you were way too busy to make it onto that episode, I'm glad to have you now because one of the biggest things, thank you so much was, your journaling template that I've been using, which has really started to help me start mm. to, you know, unpack <laughs> and almost self, uh, you know, sit myself down on the couch and take some time and, and you know, <laughs> self-analyze. You know what I mean? Well, you know, that's uh, it's funny that you would mention that. And thanks for mentioning it. But, you know, I go through that exercise every day when I journal and I go through these questions that I ask myself, which basically enables me to unpack 
the previous day because life is going so fast that oftentimes I can't even remember what happened yesterday without looking at my calendar, uh, let alone processing it, making sure that I'm connected with it emotionally and that I'm completing it and I'm not dragging that along through my life unresolved. And then in the course, as you know from day two in the, the Best Year Ever course, um, I talk about seven questions to ask about last year. And I find that so many people have never sat down doing exactly what you're talking about, sitting down and asking themselves some questions about, you know, what was the theme of last year? Or what did I accomplish that I wasn't uh, acknowledged for? Or what were my regrets? Or, you know, those kinds of questions that enable you uh, to keep from inhibiting what could happen in 2014 because you haven't closed the chapter on 2013. And I find, for example, if people had a really tough year in the last year and they didn't accomplish the goals that they wanted to accomplish and maybe they're a little discouraged or they feel like they've had a big setback, they're reluctant to dream. You know, it's kind of a self-protective thing. They don't really want to think about setting goals for 2014 because they really haven't done business with 2013. Or another thing that sometimes happens is people have the opposite experience you know, they just, they crushed it this last year. They had an unbelievable year. They're kind of exhausted, a little bit worn out. They're not quite sure if it was really worth the effort. So unless they can connect with that and process that as well, then it's very easy for them to drift and, and experience a setback in this next year because they didn't set a goal that was compelling that they could reach uh, for this next year. You know, as it turns out, Eric, happiness is a byproduct of making significant progress towards meaningful goals. And if we don't have goals and we're not making that kind of progress, it's very easy to get discouraged. Life seems like, you know, like we're stuck. Like, what does this all mean? Where is it going? But if we have meaningful, meaningful goals and priorities that are significant to us and we're seeing that progress towards it, that's what psychologists say creates that sensation of being happy and being satisfied. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the things they talk about being why social media is so addictive because, you know, you can – shoot off and, and send somebody a quick tweet, and if they reply, you feel like you've just done – and it can be, and it is work, but at the same time, you still get that endorphin buzz of, wow, I accomplished something. But really, if the time spent on that was equal to something that you had compiled and worked on something legitimate that's going to you know maybe further your business or your goals or whatever, you know that the time spent in one place versus the other – your, your brain doesn't differentiate that, but the, the tangible results are what different, are differentiated. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I think those quick endorphin hits that come from social media or other things, you know, are very transient. You know, they don't last long. They're not ultimately fulfilling. And knit together, they don't make for a very fulfilling life. But when you're accomplishing meaningful goals in every area of your life, and by the way, these shouldn't be just in your career, but in every area of your life, and you, you, know, you, know, you kind of have that resilience, you have that sense of, accomplishment and fulfillment and ultimately that your life matters and there's some meaning to it. Yeah. And, and so that's the thing is like sometimes we, we, we hesitate. I mean, you, you described it perfectly. I mean, basically people have set these goals or only done some sort of vague resolution in terms of I resolve to weigh less. Well, that doesn't really get you anywhere when you start off the year and you don't have any plan and people don't even like making plans half the time and then sticking to it is a whole other issue. And so it really comes down to how do we start well, how do we work well or on accomplishing that goal, and then how do we finish well? What do you have to say about that? Well, I do think it, it really uh, matters that we're clear on the what 
first. What is it that we want to accomplish? And as you know, I talk about in the, co- uh, the course and other people have talked about SMART goals, and that is uh, goals that are specific and measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-bound. It's an acronym that stands for those five attributes, and sometimes people use other words for those attributes. But regardless, these are very specific. There's a deadline on them, and we know what the outcome is going to be. And so to start with that destination in mind is more important than the how. And this is where I think people get kind of twisted up. Maybe they, they think, well, I'd like to do that, but I don't see how I could do it. Therefore, I'm going to you know, shoot that goal before I even start. I'm not even going to put it down. Well, most of the goals that are really meaningful, when you write them down, you won't be clear on the strategy. You don't have any idea how to accomplish it. In fact, I like to be not in the comfort zone with my goals, but intentionally in the discomfort zone. And I know I'm getting there, and this is like a Geiger counter that tells you when you're getting close to something radioactive. But when I begin to feel fear, uncertainty, and doubt, then I know I'm close. Now, yes. I don't like to be, you know, crazy about it. You know, like I'm not, I, I have no illusions that I'm going to make the, the PGA Tour this year, <laughs> you know, as a golfer. And anybody that's ever seen me golf will understand how crazy that is. I mean, I might as well think that I would be on, you know, play for the NBA, play basketball. That's not going to happen either. But so I'm not talking about crazy like that, but I am talking about where you're uncomfortable. And instead of running from those emotions and retreating to something that's familiar and something that's safe and something that's comfortable, they call it the the comfort zone for a reason. Instead of retreating to that, embrace those emotions and go with them a little bit. Get out there where you're on the edge a little bit, attempting something that's going to be significant. Because unless you're outside of the comfort zone, In fact, to get outside of the comfort zone, you've got to have a breakthrough. And what most of us want, whether it's in our health, our most significant relationships, or our career, or our finances, what we really want is a breakthrough. We've gotten to the place where the status quo is no longer acceptable. And if that's you, then this course is designed for you because it's designed to help you get out of your comfort zone, experience a breakthrough, and accomplish something that means something to you. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And that's the thing is that if you're not feeling that fear or you're not feeling on a realistic goal, that is, that, uh, you know, hesitation, like, oh, I don't know if that's possible. That's the resistance, like, kicking up right before. And that's usually a good sign that, one, that's an area or a, or a place in your life that does need changing because you thought of it and, and it came to, you know, the, it came up to the top of the water and you saw it. But two, that you then had that gut reaction of, oh, I don't know. Because the resistance often is there to to stop us before we start. Yeah, exactly, and that's and that's why we've got to go with it, and why we've got to give ourselves permission to explore that. Again, what what's the worst that can happen? You know, this whole fear impulse probably served us at some point in history. You know, when we were running from large mammals, and it can still serve us today when we're in dangerous situations physically. But that's so rare. You know, most of the fear that we experience has to do with psychological stress and you know, with situations where we're unfamiliar and personal growth and all the rest. But it's just like when you go to the gym, you know, and you're, and you're working out with something, you typically, if you're going to grow muscle, you have to lift something heavier, you know, that, that creates these micro tears in your muscle and actually does a little bit of damage first so that the muscle can respond and grow and go to the next level. And that's a little bit how goal setting is, you know, that you, you've got to stretch You've got to do something that maybe you're not quite sure you're, you're adequate to or you have the resources for because it's only in those situations that I think the resources and that, uh, that, that we actually show up and come through in a big way when we put ourselves out there. If we don't do that, then we're going to keep getting the same old, same old. Yeah, it, it's funny how you know, trite, no pain, no gain is, but it, it's because well, it's, it's true. Yeah, it really is uh, true. And it's easy to see that in the physical realm. But to intentionally put us there psychologically so that we can really grow. I mean, ultimately, what is it that we're trying to become? You know, are we trying to realize our, our full potential? There's so much in us, I think, that God, you know, my own belief, that God put in us that's capable of coming out. But as long as we play it safe and stay in our comfort zone, we're not going to grow. We're not going to develop. We're not going to become all uh, that he intended us to be. And, and to me, it's important. I don't want to get to the end of my days and look back and go, gosh, you know, I was so scared. I kind of left it, uh, you know, I left it all in the box. I didn't ever want to get it out because I was afraid, you know, that I might, um, you know, lose a piece or screw it up in some way. No, I want to I play full out. And if I make some mistakes, great, I'll recover. I believe that, it, that, that I'll recover and I'll keep moving forward. Oh, that's so true. And that actually is a kind of an exhibiting of a different version of this fear where so many people are begging to know, like, What's the best thing to start? Like, what should I work on? If I'm going to make this the best year ever, then since a year is a measurable and limited amount of time, if I use up that time on the wrong thing, and then that th- or that thing doesn't pan out, not only did I, quote unquote, fail at that one goal, I also now don't have time to start another. Yeah, and the truth is you really do have plenty of time. 
You know, even if even if you don't deliver on that goal, even if you start it late, even if you got uh, sidetracked in the middle, you can still get back on track. It's amazing what can happen when you give a little focus to it. And the beginning is usually not that hard. You know, I mean, you think about it like like when you start a race, we keep using I keep using this uh, metaphor of the race. But, you know, when you start a, a half marathon, have you ever run one, by the way? Uh, not a marathon. I've done two 5Ks so far. OK, great. Well, you know what it's like. I mean, when, you, when you're at a race and the half marathon in Nashville is like a lot of these big half marathons around the country, there'll be 30 to 35,000 people gathered at seven in the morning for the race. And it's euphoric. You know, everybody's cheering. There's rock and roll music going. It's crazy. It's your adrenaline's going nuts. Well, that's the beginning of the race. Now, let me just fast forward to the end of the race. That's exciting, too. Because you may be tired, you may be worn out, you may want it to quit in the middle, but now the crowd's cheering because the crowds are at the beginning at the end. The music's playing, you see the rope, you know, or the, the ribbon, you run across that, your family and loved ones are cheering. That's awesome, too. Those are the easy parts. The tough part is the messy middle. The part where you go for, you know, feels like miles. It's not usually quite a mile, at least at the Country Music Half Marathon, where there are no crowds, no music, no nothing. You know, there's a lot of other runners whose tongues are hanging out of their mouth too, panting, you know, and you're wondering, am I going to make it? And like, I'm too invested uh, to quit, but I'm not sure I've got the resources to go on. And it's what happens in the messy middle that really determines the outcome of the race. And in many areas of our life, uh, determines the outcome of our lives. You know, that's when we want to throw in the towel. And the thing that I, I like about having set goals where I'm very clear on the destination is that when I hit the messy middle or when life gets tough, I've got something that's transcendent that's pulling me toward it. And if you do what I do on what I suggest on day four, where you identify the inner mo- motivations, your why, if you find your why for that particular goal, what's at stake? What will be lost if I don't complete it? What will be gained if I do? Those are the things that can boost you in the middle of the race when you want to quit, when you want to give up. Yeah, that's one of those things where people often, you know, heck, Seth Godin wrote a book on it called The Dip is where where how do you know uh, at what point do you push past kind of the you've even referred to it, the inflection point. Yeah, yeah, because there's so many things that so many times we want to give up. And as Seth talks about in that book, it's hard sometimes to know whether you know, this is like, you know, God or the universe telling us we just need to throw in the towel because we weren't made for this or whether we need to persist. In my own experience, you know, sets may be different, but in my own experience, I find that uh, persistence is kind of its own reward. So even if I should have given up earlier or maybe this wasn't meant to be, there's value in persisting longer than I think I can hold out. Persistence is really, I think, a lost art for many people. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that, like you said earlier, with the the metaphor of the the father and the son running. It's that practice of not quitting, which isn't for the benefit of physical health or finishing the the goal itself of running the marathon. It to keep using that metaphor, it's the practice not quitting, which is a useful goal in all areas. It is, and and to have the ability, tenacity, perseverance, endurance. You know, these are all character qualities that will serve us well in every area of our life. Because if you think about it, you know, unless you win the lottery, most things in life that matter don't come easily. You know, you think about, you know, having a great marriage. You know, again, you know, it's almost like the, the marathon. You know, it starts out with a wedding and it's beautiful. Maybe it ends well, maybe once you've worked through everything. 
But you don't get very far into it. A few years into it, you start, for most people, we did in our marriage, we started hitting some difficult turbulence. You know, two lives colliding together with different values, different personalities. Opposites do attract. And as it turned out in our case, we were different in every area. (laughs) And if we hadn't had this uh, kind of overarching goal that we wanted a great marriage, uh, we wouldn't have persisted. It would have been easy to, you know, just take a pass and do what so many couples do. And, you know, if there are people listening to this that have done that, I understand. I don't mean that to, to shame anyone, but I'm just illustrating the point that there is value in, in persevering because once you work through that stuff, it's so much more rewarding, whether it's finishing a race or building a great marriage or raising your kids, you know, it's, it's totally worth it, but you got to persist. And I know you're telling the truth because I've heard you and your wife talk about that on a three-part series, Help, I Married an Entrepreneur, on your podcast. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to go ahead and throw a link to that in the show notes of this episode. People should go check that out. Right. It was very that. awesome to hear you guys talk like that. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like if you push through, it, the pushing through is worth it in and of itself. Um, the last time Jeff Goins was on the the episode – I kind of asked him some questions about uh, the in-between book, and he was talking about uh, – what was it I brought? Oh, he talks about being a musician in that book so much in terms of that was what he was going to do. And obviously, that's not what he's doing. He's a writer now. But the fact is that he spent so much time on that passion of – and practicing in public of doing music – that it wasn't – he set me straight. He basically said, well, you, look, you take that practice that you worked on the one thing, and then you apply it to the other thing. You don't – the, 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 uh, the effort's not wasted. You, you take the one thing, and if it doesn't pan out, you move it on to the other thing. You still practiced. You still practiced how to consistently do your craft, you know? So I'd suspect that almost – and you can tell me if this is right – of the maybe four goals that you didn't meet, you probably spent, uh, spun your wheels on those a bit and it wasn't wasted effort because you either learned something from the not accomplishing or it's spinning your wheels towards maybe something that's a goal for the future. Yeah, absolutely. I ended up uh, smarter, you know, more informed by the fact that I missed the goal, but now I have a more uh, realistic assessment of what it's going to take to actually hit it on my next outing. So, you know, that was hugely valuable. So, yeah, you know, even when we miss, we win if we keep our attitude right and if we stay in the game. So then maybe we don't – let me rephrase. If there's a – this is the best, the best year ever, or hopefully it is, or it will be, and that, that's the intent. Um, what if we want to think past just this year? What if we want to think in terms of like Dan Miller when he talks about five-year goals or things that take a lot longer to accomplish – that are like, you know, the change your family tree type stuff that Dave Ramsey talk about, talks about when it's, you know, getting out of debt, when it's not just a year or two, it's maybe two to three or four year process like it's been for me and my family. How do you prescribe working on goals in this year, the best year ever, that then have that exponential change factor for the future? Well, I, you know, we don't probably have time to get into this, but one of the things I do, I, I wrote an ebook on creating your personal life plan. And so that's like the ultimate contextualization of all of this, you know, in thinking in terms of your entire life. In fact, I spent this last year, one of the goals I did accomplish was I wrote the full blown uh, book of that called the Life Plan Manifesto, which will be out in 2014. Another goal. But, um, but at any rate, that's, that's like if I'm looking at, for example, uh, what do I want to accomplish financially? Well, that's comprised in my life plan of a lot of different things. You know, it's financial freedom, it's financial security, 
you know, it's, it's financial succession, being able to pass on what I need to pass on to, to wherever it's going to go, all of that. But the question when it comes to annual goals, and that's really what I'm talking about here in the best year ever, is what could I accomplish in this year? And I think that, you know, this year is sort of a, a time frame that most of us can get our heads around because, I mean, just think about it. How fast did this last year go? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's gone already. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. So, you know, it's, it's long enough that you've got a chance to make some course corrections and take some steps and all of that. But it's not so long that it, you know, you're either tempted to procrastinate or it's just not even relevant because it's so far out there. So that's the thing I like about this sort of midterm goal. And I have goals that are 90 days and I have goals that are lifetime goals. But I like the one-year uh, goal because you can really make significant progress and accomplish uh, significant stuff in a year-long period. It's kind of that intermediary interval that allows you for course correction or, you know, all right, well, that year I didn't make it, but I'm ready for this one. Yep, absolutely. And okay. the truth is you're going to live through this year more than likely anyway, so why not make it your best year ever? And that, that to me is kind of the – as I was thinking about it, when I started doing this several years ago, I thought, why would I ever set out to have a year that was like, say, a repeat of the last year? I mean, if it was a good year, great. But if it was not such a good year, why would I want to repeat it? Or even more to the point, why wouldn't I want to improve in it? Why wouldn't I want to play full out and do the very best I could with what I've been given stewardship over? My health, my family, my career, my relationships, my money. You know, why wouldn't I want to do the very best I can? And then if you string a few of those years together, you know, could it be that you could have your best life? I think so. Yes, yes. And that's the goal, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, that's really what, when people are talking about productivity, that's really what they mean is, I want to get all the stuff done that I want to do and have to do so that I can do more of the stuff that I want to do. And in effect, that's really, you know, having your best life that you can have. Yeah, I think so too. And, and we have the unbelievable, amazing choice in the Western world. This world that we've been born into is such a gift. Because we can make those choices. You know, we're not born into a world, uh, at least most of us, and I, I definitely recognize that there are millions, billions of people on the, on the planet that don't have this choice. But in our world, we have to live the lives we've been given. And the truth is we've been given extraordinary freedom with many options, and we really can pursue the things that we feel called to pursue and make it our best year or our best life ever. And, you know, woe be to us if we don't do that. You know, it's one thing if you've, if you've been born into poverty or you've been born in a situation where you really don't have much control or mo- much say over your future. You know, that's, that's one thing. But for those of us who've been given all this, to, much, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. And I think that's us. Yeah, that's definitely us. Well, in, th- in thinking about setting goals for the year, do you have any kind of suggestion in terms of, I know you, you said, what, five to seven? Yep, five to seven. And do you have any kind of, you know, maybe variable size <laughs> ideas in terms of maybe you want to see if there's one that's short and small and gives you momentum when you complete it earlier in the year because it was accomplishable, but it was still a maybe a challenge to you. Like maybe there's a 5K that's coming in February and you do that or prep for that or something. Well, well one of the things that you're, you're saying, Eric, that I think, first of all, I really appreciate and I think that, we, that needs to be said, and that is – you can't compare the season that you're in to somebody else's season. Mm-hmm. 
you know, if, if a 5K is the biggest race you've ever run, then maybe a 10K is going to be outside your comfort zone. But it's something you could see yourself doing and probably something you could see yourself doing maybe even in the spring. So you get that sense of, uh, sense of momentum. But maybe some goals are going to be a little bit bigger. And that's fine, uh, too. But you obviously want to make sure that they're smart, that they're seasonally appropriate, that they're few in number, and that, again, you find really personally compelling, that if you accomplish them, you feel good about what you've done. You're proud of it. One of the things that uh, Crystal Payne from Money Saving Mom said when she came on was uh, that discipline begets discipline. And so if you start moving on these, and and I guess this actually refers to your – push goal of your marathon. Can you explain a little bit more about what a, p- a push goal is? Yeah, I got this idea actually from Shalene Johnson, and she talks about identifying push goals. In fact, she talked. She has a whole book called Push. But the idea is that there's probably one goal in your set of goals that if you could accomplish it would act as a sort of domino and make all the others fall uh, more readily. So for example, in 2012 for me, I, I just knew that if I could get my book platform on the New York Times bestsellers list, but that would be a push goal that would enable, you know, my speaking engagements, the quality and the quantity of those to improve, you know, consulting, everything I wanted to accomplish was kind of dependent or at least would be significantly helped by me accomplishing uh, that one goal. This last year, my push goal happened to be Platform University because I thought that would accomplish a lot of things I wanted to accomplish in my personal life and financially and a lot of other ways. So that was a push goal. So the idea is to take whatever goals you have and to ask yourself the question of all of these, which is the one that if I could accomplish it, it may not even be the most difficult, but if I could accomplish it, it would knock down some of the other goals or allow me to make progress faster towards those goals if I could accomplish it. So I would just asterisk that one or mark it in some way as your push goal. Okay. And then... In terms of the the amount of goals, do do you kind of mix those up across the board in terms of, you know, personal, professional, family, you know, career, all those kinds of things? Yes. I think it's really important uh, for us to say this too, Eric, because I think if people have had any exposure to goal setting, it's typically in the context of their career or job. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about that, but we're talking about more than that. You really should have goals across your or in every uh, part of your life um, because you're a whole person. And these things seep into one another and relate to one another. If, if you allow yourself to come unwound in your health, for example, and you get sick or you have a major uh, health crisis, it's going to impact your work. It's going to probably impact your marriage. It might impact your parenting. Or on the other hand, and I've experienced this uh, firsthand with a guy I used to work uh, for whose marriage came unraveled, and it had like it was like the opposite of a push goal. You know, it, it dominoed or cascaded into every area of his life and even his, his career. And he ended up getting uh, uh, let go from this job. And it wasn't because he was in the process of going through a divorce. It was because the impact of that divorce affected his work so much that he just wasn't performing on the job. All this stuff is interrelated. That's why we have to approach our life as a seamless whole. We have to see the whole thing and work on every aspect. I want to take care of myself physically, for example, so I can be available to my wife and I can be available to my children and now my grandchildren. If I'm not feeling energetic, if I'm drained, if I'm uh, not in good shape, then I'm going to be less able to relate to them or be with them in a way 
uh, that I want to be with them. I want to have the energy. And believe me, trust me, your grandkids take enormous amount of energy. <laughs> well, yeah, if they're anything, <laughs> if they're anything like the two kids that I have right now, <laughs> they will be. The good news is we can send them home with mom and dad. Yes. Yeah. Dressed like Woody. <laughs> I've seen the picture of your grandson who is very awesome. cute. I know. That's awesome. Yeah, that's one of the things actually working through the course for myself. And again, I mentioned like, you know, the funerals and and then the 10th year anniversary of my father passing. I realized, well, one, that's got like twofold touching on it. Like what you just said was health and family. And just so which is why I've been really kind of deciding, okay, how do I construct a, you know, a tenfold or a dual fold, I guess, kind of a goal health wise, family wise, that's me taking care of me first, but also then not neglecting, you know, my current responsibility to being there for my family now and not just saying, well, I'll be there for them later when I'm healthy. But right now it's, it's all about me, you know? Yeah. Oh, and I tell you, so many people make that mistake and there may not be tomorrow, Yeah. you know, so you've got, you've really got to focus in on this stuff now because uh, and I tell that story, you may recall, in the series where I talk about uh, going snorkeling with Gail in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Yes, we got yes. caught in a riptide, and we got pulled way off of where we thought we were going. We just thought we were out you know, snorkeling and enjoying all the stuff we were seeing under the water. But we got caught in this riptide and drifted way out from where we should have been, and it took all of our effort to swim back to shore. And I think for many people, that's how life is. You know, it's not that they send, they set out to screw up their lives. They don't set out to ruin their marriage or ruin their health. Nobody gets up and says, hey, I think this year, that's what I'm going to accomplish. But they drift towards that because that's just the nature of inertia. That's the nature of sort of the status quo is that you're going to, uh, what is it, the second law of thermodynamics, you know, things tend toward disorder. Mm -hmm. It's true in your health. It's true in your marriage. It's true in your career. Unless you counteract that with something positive, like goal setting, where you're going to swim against the current and go in the direction of your dreams. Yeah, definitely. And and actually, so sharing a little bit with you publicly here about, you know, where my thoughts are in terms of what my own personal goals are makes me think of another question, which is some people are like kind of one way or the other with this about how public do you go with your goals? Do you put them out there in public for you and your tribe and your platform to, you know, work on together or do you keep them private and only for a select few for accountability's sake? Well, I used to think you share them with anybody and everybody. In fact, I used to blog them. Uh, but then I saw, like you've probably seen that uh, Derek Sivers Ted video where he talks about, uh, why you shouldn't go public with your goals. And based on the research he compiled there, he talks about the fact that you get the same sense of psychological accomplishment in talking about the goals as you do in actually accomplishing them. So it kind of sabotages the whole effort. I actually come down in the middle of that. You know, I think you should uh, share your goals, but only with people that you know will support you and hold you accountable. Sometimes uh, that can be our, our family or our close friends Sometimes, no, because they're cynical or they're negative or they're going to poo-poo it or, you know, distract us or, or work against us, actively sabotage us. And so I would be very selective about it, but I do think it's worth sharing with the people that can help us get to the destination, who will hold us accountable and increase the, pro- the probability of us accomplishing it. 
That's funny because uh, back, let's say, I don't know, let's say, I'll take a guess and say August, uh, I decided to text a, a mutual friend of ours, Cliff Ravenscraft, and, and I said, hey, do you got time for a, a quick call? And he said, sure. So I, I call him up and I say, so this is going to sound crazy, but what do you say about us like doing accountability partnering where, you know, we want to get up early. We want to get our steps in with our Fitbit. We want to, you know, start working on the, the whole fitness goal thing that we've, you know, I don't know if you've been following along with what he's been doing or did in in October. That kind of was the catalyst for all of that for both he and I was just, you know what? We're not happy with where we're at. We want to be somewhere else. We've made strides in that direction before. We've kind of drifted back again, but we know it's still important and we don't want to give up. How about, and I said to him, how about we just keep this between you and me? And so, because we'd both done that before where he'd done the whole big, you know, gung-ho, all right, the GSPN community is going to get behind all of us walking and running and getting fit, and it benefited a ton of people, and, and, and he and Stephanie and myself and a bunch of others like just got so much healthier. And it's been seasons, uh, many seasons since then, but uh, you know what I just felt? Now's the time. Now's the time, at least if we don't get to where we want to get, that we at least make progress and learn from it, even if we quote-unquote fail. And I would, th- I think he would tell you, I think I've heard him say it is like, th- it really was a catalyst. Like it's one of those things where, you know, for a while there, he wasn't going public, but then he was like, you know what? I can't help it. That's just my nature. So <laughs> I know that's true. he even asked me, he's like, Hey, uh, can I tell people your name or do you want me to just keep it up? I'm like, go ahead. I don't care. It's fine. You know? So I, I think there's big things going to happen in that area in the, the next coming season. Well, this is kind of the premise, and I know you're kind of a gadget geek like I am, but this is kind of the premise behind applications like Lyft, and now there's a new one called Strides, and it, it, it kind of gives you that social uh, affirmation or that, uh, that social support that you need to accomplish goals, and, and I'm all for that. In fact, that was one of the things as we were crafting the Five Days to Your Best Year Ever course, I said to my team, I said, I want to have community built into this because I think that people are doing this, have a certain camaraderie and a shared passion around this where we could really help one another as we share with people that we know are going to support us, they're going to hold us accountable, and it's a safe environment where we can do that. So we've got that inside the course. Yeah. Community is so important. It, that that shared, uh, you know, in the Lyft app itself, giving you props for having done your stuff. In fact, actually, what's crazy about that is my next episode of this podcast is my conversation with Tony Stubblebein, the CEO of the Lyft app, and he goes some places that I didn't even know were possible in terms of all this. So stay tuned for that one. Yeah, <laughs> Plug. I, oh, those guys are really developing. Yeah, they, I'm impressed. Yeah, and, and Tony himself, like I've, I followed him on Twitter after I talked to him, and just the stuff he's tweeting out, like look him up. He is one who's really talking about you know cognitive budget and things like that that I wasn't even aware of were things. And now I do, and it's changing my life. It's changing my mind space in terms of what I think about in terms of what's possible in the messy middle, honestly. Do you, do you know what his uh, Twitter handle is? I think it's just Tony Stubblebine. There it is. That's probably too long. Well, yeah, there it goes. No, that's, that's it. Yeah. You just, just take a look at some of his tweets, and you'll see like he's going places that I think is the cutting edge in terms of, again, that messy middle, that place where – We've started something, we want to finish it well, and how can we uh, optimize our workflows to do that? Well, man, I'm all for you. So check it out. 
technology we can use. Yeah. So, well, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit specifically about the course itself, how people can get plugged in, what it is specifically, and why people should do it. I think we've given enough of a why, but I think if anybody has any doubts now, we should talk about that. Yeah. Well, what the, what the course is, is essentially it's a video course. And the premise behind it is if you're willing to invest at least five hours, and you can do this for an hour a day over the course of five days, or you could do it in one sitting. And I, I tend to think it's better if you do it over the course of several days, but it doesn't really matter, whatever your schedule will allow. But if you could make that investment to get the outcome, to come to December the 31st and actually have accomplished what you set out to accomplish or enough of your goals that you could look back and say, that was a great year. That's really what I'm trying to accomplish with the course is to help people get there. And so each day begins with a short video segment. And I've listened to video courses. In fact, I'm working through one now where the video seems to go on forever. And so what I wanted to do was have something short and succinct, you know, cut to the chase, uh, show me the, the, the beef, so to speak. I think I just mixed a metaphor. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, but get to it, tell me what I need to do, and then I've got a workbook in the course too where you have an exercise each day and you work through that portion of the exercise. So the first day is all about the possibility of breakthrough. The second day is all about processing the past and really kind of unpacking 2013 so that you don't drag the negative parts of it into 2014, but you do extract the positive parts of it and use that to lift you in 2014. Day three is all about setting smart goals and getting really clear on what you want. Day four is about identifying your why and your inner motivations and what's going to keep you going when the going gets tough. And then day five is where the rubber meets the road. How do you execute against that? and actually get, uh, make incremental progress against your goals so that you get to the end of the year having accomplished what's important uh, to you. So that's pretty much it. There's a community inside the course. There's the video. There's the workbook. There's the community. And then there are uh, a couple of bonuses that are pretty cool too, which I just finished the last one I saw that today. On yeah. Are you going to... You're going to just tease that, or do you want to tell us what it is? No, I can tell you what it is. Cool. Yeah, so the first bonus is, um, do you know Stu McLaren? Yes. Yeah. Stu's the, the founder of Wishlist Memories, also the co-founder of Platform University, who's become one of my dearest friends. But he interviewed me on my answer to the seven questions about 2014. So I just kind of lay it all out there. I tell him exactly, uh, you know, unpack the good, the bad, and the ugly from last year, and we talk through that. The second bonus is my template for a productive day, and I talk about engineering or re-engineering your morning ritual, and it's what technology I use, and what do I try to accomplish in that time to set up my best day ever. And then um, the third bonus, the one I just finished today, I am calling a beginner's guide to task management. You know, how do you take these goals, how do you take the projects that are meaningful to you, and how, how do you... Uh, populate your daily task list with the steps that will get you toward those goals. So I talk about the app that I use, which in my case is uh, Nosby. And um, I, I, I mentioned that this will work with any technology, but this is the particular one that I use. And then I just kind of go through that. And it's an audio lesson with a workbook. And those are the three bonuses. That's awesome. I'm glad to know I already have those then. <laughs> Good. You do. That's They're great. actually. They won't be up until uh, January the 1st. It okay. says that inside the course, but yeah, uh, they're done and in the can. That's great. And if you're like me, I mean, you'll get into the course and you'll go through it 
realize that it's exactly what you need and then want to go through it again. And so that's kind of what I do. That's what I do with like business books is honestly skim through them fast, mark places where I want to come back and like really do a deep dive. And that's what I'm planning on doing after New Media Expo, which is quickly approaching. So oh, this weekend, I, yes. but I do the same thing. I go through the stuff that matters like that. I go through it more than once. So uh, if people want to go do that, I think you've actually given me an affiliate link, which is very generous, which is what? Bestyearever.me slash Eric? Yes. Eric with a K. Eric Your with a K. Knows that, but yes. in case somebody else is listening, Eric with a K. So if you go through that link, hey, you, you help support this show, which is really cool because I like making this show. So if you've enjoyed this, if you've enjoyed all of this, a lot, honestly, what's funny is we've talked for almost an hour on goal setting and really, we've barely scratched the surface of what's in the course. So true. And so this if you don't see that as incentive for <laughs> setting up your life and actually making goals instead of failing at resolutions, then I don't know how to help you. <laughs> this, no, is, I, this is what you need. I, I, I still think that's true. And, and the other thing I think we'd be remiss to not say, Eric, on that affiliate link, is that it also gives your listeners a discount that they can't get anywhere else. That's true. I had forgotten that. Yeah. So it's actually cheaper if you go through the affiliate link than if you just kind of go through the general uh, page. Yeah. So just another incentive to use it. Yeah. So definitely check that out. Go to B. Uh, sorry, I was going to say beyond the to-do list. Best year ever. Good Good uh, URL placement. Best year <laughs> ever dot me slash Eric with a K and check that out. There's a ton. Of, there's actually that's that'll take them right to the uh the promotional videos where they'll be able to watch you talking about the course a little bit more as well, right? Yeah, and the great thing about that, there's actually uh, three pieces, three short videos there that actually teach you about goal setting, and that content's free. You don't have to buy the course. You don't have to do anything. You do have to opt in uh, Mm -hmm. to get the second and third video, and then you have the opportunity if you want at that point to go ahead and buy the course. If you don't, that's fine. And I would just say to people, Eric, if you don't use my goal goal setting system, use somebody's. You know, this is too good of an opportunity this year that's before us uh, to pass. So do something, even if it's somebody else's course. I don't care. Just get in motion. Yeah, definitely. Well, Michael, it has been awesome to talk with you again. And actually, I can't wait. I'll shake your hand in a few days when you speak at New Media Expo. I know. I can't wait to be together. So that'll be be awesome. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming. Whew. So you know what to do. That was another awesome conversation on this show, and that's just the reason I do it is life change. It's being the best you you can be, which sounds almost like an army commercial, but still, it's because it's true. Again, trite things become true, or trite, true things become trite, whatever. Anyway, you get the picture. You need to set goals. Like Rick Calvert said last episode, you owe it to yourself to make yourself better, and even better at what you do. And setting goals is what's going to make that happen. And So check out Michael's course at bestyearever.me slash Eric, that's E-R-I-K. Or like Michael said, if you're not going to do that, do mine. Buy the ebook at beyondthetodolist.com slash goals. I'm sure, as the person who wrote that book, that even doing that much of a step forward in goal making and changing of your life, you will find that there are deeper ways to do that, which is why, again, I went ahead and I got Michael's course myself anyway. Do one, do the other, do both. But the links are there. And again, the show notes for this episode are at beyondthetodolist.com slash 53. I'm Eric Fisher, and I'll see you next time.